Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. In this week's episode, we are going to be chugging along with our top 100 games of all time, and we are going to be looking at 80 through 71. And as some of you may have noticed, we did not have an episode come out last week. Natasha, you want to let them know what happened last week? What went down? I just was a little sick. I We went on a family vacation. Um, I You know, things you catch things when you're on vacation. Hmm. What did you catch on vacation, Natasha? <sighs> COVID. Yeah, got the, got the Rona. It's like my own fault, too. Because, like, I didn't get boosted this season. I just didn't get around to it because... I didn't think about it, which I'm going to do now. I'm going to do now because my husband also got COVID, but he got the booster and like had like a runny nose. It was nothing. So I felt really, really stupid that I was so sick because I could have, it could have totally been avoidable. And I just didn't bother getting back the booster. It's always tough. Like for me, when it comes to those, like, uh, like the booster slash like flu shot in like September, I'm always thinking I should get that. And then I asked the pharmacy about it. They're like, oh, it, it hasn't come out yet. You have to wait until like October or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then October runs around and I'm, it's getting into like holiday season. You know, you got Halloween, you got Thanksgiving, you got Christmas. And it just, I still now I haven't gotten my flu shot or boostered just because. Oh, well, it, let it this be a like... lesson to you. <laughs> Take the time. <laughs> yes. I. I was so miserable when we got home. Um, I had a couple other things going on. I had no idea. I didn't even consider that I had COVID. And finally, I was so sick. I was like, you got to take me. My, I told my husband, I said, you got to take me to the ER. I'm dying. Like, something's wrong. And he's like, how about I take you to the urgent care? And I was like, that's fine. They'll take my vitals. They'll see that I'm dying. They'll call an ambulance. They'll take me to the hospital. <laughs> and they'll admit me because I'm obviously dying. But that's fine. Clearly. We can go to the urgent care. Clearly. So you go to the urgent care. Um Turns out I wasn't dying, and they just like, well, how about we do a COVID test? So I was like, whatever. And that came back positive, and I was like, oh, I guess it all makes sense. I didn't even think about it. And my husband, he was the first one. He kind of had a cold there, and we didn't think anything of it. You know, you just, I guess I didn't think about it. But yeah. I'd always worked in the hospitals, and we were required to get it, and they made it really easy. You go in, just show up to work, and they got people lined up. It's just made it super easy to get it done. Now I don't work there anymore, and so... I have to like make my own effort to get these vaccines done and I just don't think about it. And cuz I've never gotten sick cuz I've been vaccinated all these years like I never get sick so I don't think about it. It's weird how that works that you think everything's good and it's just easy and now when you actually have to think about it and go get it it just like slips your mind a little bit. Yeah, it's like that little like effort that you have to make and I think that's the that's probably the thing that stops a lot of people from doing it. It's just the small effort. Like I always try to make my kids appointments in the fall, their annual visits, yep. because then I know they can get their shots then. And I don't yep. have to make a second appointment, you know? Well, I was, I was at the pharmacy picking up some medication for the family. And I thought to myself, I should, you know what? I should get my flu shot. So I went up and I said, yeah, I'm here to pick up these, you know, prescriptions or whatever. And I go, can I also get a flu shot? And they're like, did you sign up? I was like, sign up. No. They're like, oh, you have to go online and sign up for a time slot. We're all booked for today. I was like, well, that just made it that much more inconvenient for me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be easy. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. Signing up online is probably pretty easy, but it just, uh, 
Uh, it just requires that just little extra bit of effort. I yeah, it doesn't. Yep, I don't know. Especially I like if it, you're normally healthy and you just don't think about it, you don't get sick. Well, I was miserable. Like I, I was so miserable. I was completely fine. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not. I don't want to oversell. Like I was. I had no vitals that were off. Like I was a hundred percent like not dying, but I was so miserable. You know, and I luckily I didn't get any of the uh, respiratory symptoms, so that's why I. I think I didn't even think about COVID because it was just not, I wasn't having those symptoms. Yeah. But yeah. I'm going to use this as a lesson. Yeah. When I got it, it felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. The first day I, I started getting symptoms, I tested it was negative. I'm like, all right, whatever, no big deal. And then I just kind of fell off, you know, and then I woke up the next day and I was like, wow, I do not feel good at all. And my whole body hurts. And I took the test and it, in no time whatsoever, all of a sudden, it just, yeah, positive. Like, I just stuck the, like, little little swab thing in that thing, did the little drops, and instantly two lines. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm going to go. I'll be upstairs quarantining. <laughs> but, it is not fun. Take the time. You still have time. It's still worth getting the flu shot and the, the COVID the COVID shot if you haven't yet. I'm I'm going to uh, just in a week or two once I'm, it's completely out just because they want you to not have it anymore when you get it done when you get the shots but were you mad at your husband that when you were like you need to take me to the er and he's like how about i take you to urgent care did he did you feel like he wasn't you know you know hearing that (laughs) you were that sick (laughs) well the first thing he was like you should you should just go to the urgent care and he's like you can take my car because it's been brushed off like my car was covered in snow and i was like no no no, you're misunderstanding like you're taking me the <laughs> to and, and that urgent care is fine, but no, I that I thought that's reasonable. Like, why go the urgent? Why go yeah. the ER? He's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I just hate the urgent care. They like they they have no. Uh, they're just not speedy at all. It was you know? the funny thing is the the one time I I went to urgent care, I uh, I was I was chopping up some some vegetables or whatever. I was doing some meal prepping. And I was chopping and I like basically sliced through the tip of my thumb almost to the point where I cut it completely off. But there was still a little bit of a flap, you know, and I remember going to urgent care and I I have my thumb like I have paper towel wrapped around my thumb and I'm holding it in like my fist. Right. Like my fingers are wrapped around it and they're like, why are you here? And I unwrap it. And as I'm unwrapping it, that flap had stuck to the paper. So when I released it open, the flap opened and it like gushed a little blood and I closed it. I was like, that's the reason why. And they're like, all right, sit down. We'll be right with you. (laughs) So then I'm sitting there like for like, and the shock is finally like wearing off. And I'm like, are you guys going to, are you guys going to come get me? They got me pretty quick. So I I appreciated that. I find that they have no sense of urgency. They're like, if you want to be seen quickly, you can go to the ER. (laughs) Well, that's the funny thing is you go to sometimes you go to the ER and you're waiting hours just based on like, you know, how how busy. It yeah. Gets. If you're not dying. Yeah. 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 My <laughs> wife worked her. at the in the ER for for a few years. So she she often tells me sometimes the wait times and you're just like, wow, because I remember texting her because she was working that day and she's like, go to urgent care. You're better off. I'm like, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're not dying, urgent care yeah. is probably better. better. Yep. And cheaper. Yes. That is fact. Um. Uh, how about we get into some board games? Let's talk about our top 100. We're doing 80 through 71. Let's do this. Natasha, what's your number 80? All right. My number 80 is, I think it, I think it's got to be on your list. Um, or maybe not. It's at least a, a game you enjoy as well. It's a, a word game, and that is Letter Jam. This is 
this is a game where you you have a like a deck of cards, a random deck of cards, and you basically spell out a five letter word and you pass it to the person on your left, I think it is. And so they don't know what the word is. They mix up the cards and they put the letters out in front of them. And one at a time, you like everyone stands up a letter so that you can see everybody's letter except for your own letter. And then somebody is looks around at all the letters and there's usually one in the middle of the table that everyone can see. And was like, okay, okay, I can make a word. And then they pass out these tokens that indicate like, okay, your letter is the first word and, and your letter is the second word and your letter is the, the third word. And so you look around and you're like, you, you know what all of the letters are except for your letter. So you have a pretty good idea of what, of what, your letter is like you don't know 100 but you can usually get it narrowed down to like two or three letters and, and it's really really fun so once you think you've kind of got it figured out you can you can move on to the next letter or you can leave it up there and let people make other other different words and then the, the whole end of the game is is now that you think you've got all your letters together you have to like figure out what your word is which is a really small part of the game and really the fun of the game is is like trying to figure out based on what all the other letters are what your letter is. And I, I just love that so much. It's so fun and interesting. And you have to be clever with the, the words you give out. Like some of the words are like super obvious. Like if you did um, cat, it seems like a decent word. But if somebody only sees A-T, that doesn't tell them much because there's a lot of words that end with A-T. It could be cat, could be bat, could be hat, could be so many things. So you have to be a little bit more clever and try to come up with words that are, are aren't quite don't have as many options that makes sense yeah i think the fun of that too is the the back and forth that players have and they say so they'll you'll spell out you know you know cat or whatever c-a-t but some people have c-a and they'll be like i think my word is cat or cap or something like that so then somebody's just like oh okay then i have to probably be you know a c or something like that so that that whole like going back and forth I yes. think is is interesting because you're you're you spell out a word, but then everyone's kind of trying to help solve what that word really is. You know, I I find that interesting. Yes, if I'm the middle, if I'm the middle letter and cat, and then the person with the first letter is like, okay, I could be a cat. I I, I could I could be a. They can't say the word the word. They, that's not helpful. But they can say like, I could be a C. I could be an H. I could be a B. I could be all these different letters. And then, so then you're like, okay, well. It's unlikely that I'm an O because of, you know, this, because they think that yep. I could have this letter. And, and that that puzzliness of what they letter they think they are really tells you a lot of information. And that, I think that's really the fun of the game. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 solid. And I forgot that. Yeah, you, you can only say the letters. I think it could be a C or a D or whatever, that sort of thing. And I think mm -hmm. it just I, that that back and forth I find interesting because it's surprisingly enough you're deducing a lot which you would think i don't particularly care for but i it's just it's just interesting and fun so yeah i like it it's a good game i think this game would go over well with a lot of people you know people that like don't like a lot of board games but i like word games this would fall into that category yeah i would agree that's my number 80 letter jam all right my number 80 is uh a game it's dropped a little bit, but that's probably because I haven't played it that much this year, and that is Seven Wonders Architects. Uh, this game came out, what, last year? And it was it was one of those games that they said they took Seven Wonders and made it even simpler, which when you think about it, Seven Wonders is a pretty simple game. Um, the problem I always had with Seven Wonders is teaching it to new players. 
I always felt like the mechanics of it was decent enough to be a welcoming game, but there was it was just fiddly enough with the resources and having to buy them from your neighbors that it confused people. Every time I tried teaching this to new players, it never worked. And then Seven Wonders Architects came out, and they just streamlined it down even more, which I didn't think they could. And at this point, you really can do a couple things. You can you can grab some cards, and then as soon as you're able to, you have the resources available uh, on the little cards, you spend them to you know build your wonder. As soon as somebody's wonder is built, it ends the game. So they've taken Seven Wonders and just simplified it even more. But what's nice about it is it's still one of those welcoming games that provides good cool decisions for people who are in the hobby you know it's you know i've often talked about those kid games or whatever that keep me captivated this is one of those games that i think you know is a welcoming game that i still enjoy and it's you know it's quick it's 20 30 minutes and then you're done you can play a couple rounds in a row um i really i really enjoy this i think the production's good too because they have little basically trays with all your stuff in it so you basically just set out the tray somebody grabs one it even has like little card holders and stuff it's really solid production for what you get yeah that is a good it it is a really good game it can be played so with so many people yeah it's just so versatile quick versatile beautiful great game well it plays up to seven so a lot of times we were actually talking about this the other day with some friends about how they'll have new gamers come in and they'll want a game night or whatever, and they'll invite over eight people. Well, at that point, you're just playing party games. But something like this, you could play. You know, mm-hmm. as long as I mean, granted, you have to have seven. But yeah, I think it. I think this is a really solid implementation of Seven Wonders. That is my number eighty. Seven Wonders Architects. All right, my number seventy nine is a game that I didn't really love at first, and I think it's grown up. It's grown on me, and because people have made me play it, they really like it. <laughs> And <laughs> made you play it. Yep. <laughs> and I didn't mind it. So I was like, yeah, I'll keep playing it. But every time I play it, I enjoy it more and more. And that's Red Cathedral. So Ooh. I didn't enjoy it at first because of the area control aspects of building those cathedrals and not quite under. Basically, I didn't understand how the scoring worked. And you could explain it to me and I don't care. But I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it and like play it in any kind of strategic way. So I just like basically played the game and didn't worry about trying to do the area control and so now that i have played the game the area control makes sense to me i'm able to plan ahead and work on like trying to maximize the amount of points i can get from the area control and i really like the reason why i stuck with it so long is the mechanics of the game the rondelle the way that you move around you roll these dice and you have to move those many spaces based on the the dice the dice value and how many dice are in there you get these different resources it's really interesting in the way that the engine kind of builds up where you can like get other things but you're limited on the space you can hold and you have to like spend turns like carting things to the cathedral it's really a quite a good deep game and one of my favorite things which is a small box i think it's yeah. it's really just a solid strong game that's really unique it has a unique theme it has unique artwork and it plays really uniquely yeah this is one of those games that i think i need to play more it's it's i'm gonna tell you right now it's not on my list Mm -hmm. and it's i've only played it a couple times and i've enjoyed it but i like what devere does with those small box games i think this one is is one that's pretty solid uh i do need to play it more yeah, I, I enjoy it. I recommend it quite a bit, and it's taken me a bit to get there, but I'm I'm there now. I'm on board, and I enjoy playing it. That's my number 79, the Red Cathedral. 
All right, my number 79 is a game that uh, was introduced to the night before the Dice Tower Cruise, and that is Comic Hunters. And it's interesting because I think this game, part of the reason why it's it's made my top 100, partly because of how much I enjoyed the play of it, the experience surrounding it, as well as the art. Because if so, Comic Hunters is uh, basically a collection style game where you're collecting different types of comic books, but the way you're collecting them changes round to round because there's going to be certain ways you're going to collect it. You could either be, you know, bidding for a set of comic books. You could be, you know, moving around a grid. You could be drafting. You could do a variety of ways to acquire these comic books. And the other thing that you're doing is you're using these comic books to pay for them. So whatever comic books you acquire, you can end up using. So think about it is you have two copies of a Spider-Man comic. You trade them in to get a copy of a Thor comic. That's that's basically the game. So a lot of the currency involved is the is the cards you play. So it's a set collection game. I think the artwork is fantastic. It's one of those games that I've often look at trying to get off eBay, but you're shipping it from, you know, South America up here. And the shipping is like one and a half times the cost of the game. So it's always been one of those things that I just can't quite justify getting it. Mm-hmm. But I the plays that I've had of it is they've just been fun. It's one yeah. of those games that I think can be welcoming. I don't think it's necessarily over con- overly complex. What I really enjoy is each round, you're it, they're almost like different mini games, and I really like that in this game. Yeah, it's a really simple game. I'm I'm concerned it's going to be like so overhyped by the time it does come here because yeah. because it is a simple game. Like it's not that complicated, but it but it's fun. It's just different forms of drafting to yep. like try to get the set collection based on like the specific game that requires like that wants you to get these types of sets that that's it like it's pretty basic but it works the theme works the the drafting all works like it, it's a nice like light game it's a good one i like it too yeah i think it's solid especially what so what you get out of it with the artwork and everything like that i enjoy it but yeah you're right i think because so many people have hyped it up it might be one of those things that once it hits the states people are going to be a little bit let down but I'm hoping you need to go into it like with low expectations, super light, easy, yeah, basic drafting game. There's really not much to it, and you'll enjoy it. You know, yeah, I agree. You'll be, you'll be so, pleasantly surprised. I think so. My number seventy nine, Comic Hunters. All right, my number seventy eight is a Lacerda game. It's the only Lacerda game on my list, and that's probably because I played it the most. I just don't play Lacerdas very often, so it's really hard for them to make my list. But I really like the Gallerist. I like mm-hmm. the way that you can take actions when you get kicked off, but you have to plan for it. But the game is so tight, so it's like, okay, I can take an action, but I don't have any money, so I can't really do anything. It's got it's a really unique theme. It's all about like art galleries. I think it's a lot of fun. It's probably gonna fall off my list soon because I just haven't played it in a while. Um, but I really enjoy I really enjoy these types of games. The only limiting thing is getting them played. If I don't play them multiple times, they're really hard to to enjoy because they're so deep and thinky. But every time I play them an additional time, I just enjoy them more and more. And Gallerist is one of my favorites. It's just it's just beautiful. It's gorgeous. Like it's got beautiful components. It's got some interesting mechanics. I I really like it. That is my number 78, the Gallerist. Yeah, I've never played it. I, the thing with the Lacerda games is like you play it once and you wrap your head around it and three hours later you're like, all right, cool. And I'm not going to play that game for like a year. Yeah, just, at minimum, it, yeah. Yeah, just with the way he interacts, all the compo- or mechanics and everything like that, I think they can be a little... The, the, the cost of entry is high. 
Yes. So it's one. It's it, it. Those games deserve groups that want to just sit and play the same game and like in and just you know dissect the game that sort of yeah. thing. I think that. But um, yeah, for me, I just. Yeah, I like I've played Lacerda games, but again, I play them once and then I haven't played them again. But mm-hmm. I think if they were like more amongst our our friend group and more seen and more played, I would they would they would probably be all on my list. I would enjoy them quite a bit. But yeah, they're a high entry to play. Like the cost, like the, it's expensive and it takes a lot to learn and then it takes a lot to teach and it takes a lot to digest. And they're not just games that you're just getting like, okay, let's just play this. Like you kind of have to plan for it. You got to teach the game. It's going to take a bit and. And they're they're worth it, like if you worth putting the time and energy into teaching the game. But then I recommend pl- at least playing it once a month, you know, going forward so that it stays fresh and 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 yeah. doing that with the same group is helpful because if you bring somebody into a Lacerda game their first play and you've played it five or six times, like that's not going to be fun for them either. It's unlikely so, that that person's going to win. Yeah, or even like have fun like being with them because it's just it's so difficult you know these games are tricky in a good way like but you got to put the work into it that's all like you said agreed all right my number 78 is marco polo 2 in the service of the con so this is the follow-up to obviously the the voyages of marco polo they've made this game slightly easier the original game was quite difficult to move around the map this they've made easier but the problem I face with this particular game is the special the special powers that you get. In the original OG, The Voyages of Marco Polo, which may or may not be higher on my list, they did a really good job of making the player powers feel completely busted. You would get somebody would get one and you'd be like, man, like you don't have to do that. You don't have to pay for putting your dice on top of stuff. Like that is so busted. And they're like, yeah, but you can set your die to any number you want. That's busted. But they they all felt balanced. And mm-hmm. I think in Marco Polo 2, the downfall of that is there are some player powers that, depending on player count, are significantly better than others. There are some powers that if you're playing two-player, it's, it's almost not necessarily a, a, a power that much because you're not going to be able to gain a lot of benefits, that sort of thing. And I think that's what drops it down. I do like it. I think it's interesting, but I still like the original better. This is kind of in the same line that I was just talking about with Lacerda games. Like you guys have played this so much that for me to jump in and play this, I just get my butt handed to me. and It's not fun because it's and like I don't want to start over at the beginning and, and like get good at this game so that I can play with you guys. So it's just kind of like not in my something that's going to happen for me. So it's not so it's not about having an experience enjoying the company of your friends. It's mm-hmm. about winning games for you. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. Yeah. I don't like yeah. I don't like sitting down and playing a really complicated game and ending up with like thirty points to your hundred and seventy five. Yeah. It's just not a fun experience for me. I suppose that's fair. I can give you that. We it's funny because this actually recently came up where we were playing a game and I I was victorious. But I was also, I almost like doubled one of the person's scores and they were just Which like, how you, the I got, I got one more point than they did. Like, yeah, so and you said them, like the, that also includes me. I wasn't going to bring that up, but he just was like, how the heck did you double my score? And I was like, I, I don't, I don't know. I cheated, I guess. I, I, 
I don't know. I just it clicked. I don't sometimes games just click, but and and that didn't bother me one because that was the first time I was playing the game. We were all learning. Yep. Yep. And two, it was a lighter game. Like it it, it took us about an hour to play. Yeah. It, it didn't. I still had fun playing my own game. Like there are certain games that you can lose dramatically and still have fun playing. And there are certain games that just you just feel like garbage when it happens to you, you know, and and that's fine. Like, I I just don't need to play those games. (laughs) Yeah, this or I need to spend some time offline, like getting good at it. (laughs) What you need to do is you just need to play it against randos until you get good enough until Mm -hmm. you can be competitive. Yeah, I I enjoy this game. I don't know how much longer it's going to be on the list, partly because I don't if I'm going to play one, I'm probably going to play the original over this one because I like it better. But I think this one, if you if you were between the two as a newer player that hasn't played either, I probably steer you towards this one just because it's easier. There's a little bit. It's not as tight of a of a movement economy as some of the other as the original version. But so, yeah, that is Marco Polo 2 in the service of the con. My number 78. All right, my number 77 is a game that Bob got me to play, and that is Underwater Cities. I really Whoa. do enjoy this game. It is it is definitely a game that um it, it's one okay, it's one of those games where you have a, just a couple actions. So you feel like you you really can't really do anything, like you're going to hardly have any time to do anything, but all of a sudden like you're noticing like everybody else at the table is like having all these combos and like they only have two actions, but they're like utilizing their cards really well and they're like having all these big big turns doing like cool things i'm like okay obviously not playing it right like i gotta i gotta figure out these little combos and tricks so it's one of those games that you have very little actions you have to find those like little hidden things that are going to get you to where you need to be and 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 that's the fun and learning those and discovering those is really the fun of of this game yeah i agree it's a it's a solid Vladimir Suchi game, very solid. Mm-hmm. In in his true form, like you're not gonna feel like you're gonna be able to do much, but like all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, if I do this, oh, this, oh, well, I can I can do this, and that'll get me there. And it's a it's a fun little worker placement game that does it in a very unique way. It's got like the worst artwork. It's pretty ugly. Like the components are kind of trash. I will say that. <laughs> Uh, wow it's like the art like the art on the card like repeats itself like for a lot of these like cards it'll be a different card but i'll the same art like it's kind of a i'd love a redesign of this game you know especially compared to, like, that bad. it's it's pretty bad it's ugly it's, it's bad and then like on top of it being bad it like repeats itself yeah and, like the components are kind of garbage i'd love a redo like especially when you compare it to like woodcraft which is one of Suchi's newer game and it's yeah. beautiful and gorgeous and yeah I, I like it uh, quite a bit it's been a lot of a fun to discover and like get good at it's a little drier than my favorite my, I have more that I like a little bit better of his games Underwater Cities is one of his better games I think it's not his it's not my favorite of his stuff but if you ever play a Suchi game you're always wishing you could do a little bit more and I think that's his like design style players want to do just a little bit more and you can't mm-hmm. yeah his turns out his his your turns always seem really basic and, and you're like fine and oh these little hidden gems and i think that's that's the fun in his games yep all right my number 77 underwater cities my number 77 um i think might shock you that it's this low natasha and that is mountain goats this is a kind of quick fast filler game where you're taking some dice you're rolling the dice 
And based on the dice rolls, you're moving up these different tracks. And when you hit the track, you get a point token. And as soon as three of the you know tracks are filled up, the you know, game's going to end. This is an interesting game because, again, you're rolling the four dice and you can use those four dice any in any combination you want to climb up tracks that start go from five to ten. So if I roll four fives, I can move up the five track four times, or I can move up the ten track twice, or I can move up the ten track once and the five track twice. And the lower numbers, like five, requires more movement to get to the top, or something like ten only requires a couple movement to get to the top. And you, as soon as, as soon as you're the king of the mountain, you can just stay there accumulating points until another goat hits it and then knocks you all the way back down. Got to make the trek back up. It is it is a cool, fun filler game. I just got the expansion that brings it out to five that I, I think is cool. I've taught this to a few people, and they've really seemed to enjoy it. So I like this yeah. game quite a bit. The last time we played it, we played it with our kids, and they loved they loved it. They loved knocking us off the yeah. mountain. Like, it's got like a little like fun little meanness to it, but, th- yeah. but it's not a mean game at all. I wouldn't describe it. But it's just enough to where like, you're like, you can go after dad. Yep. Everyone go after dad, and that's a lot of fun, you know. And it, it, but we play it a lot, like with our friends too. So it's not like it's just a kids' game. It's it's pretty universal. Like hard hard not to like this game. A lot of people will like this game, I think. And mm-hmm. the problem is Natasha's very good at convincing everyone at the table to go against me. So not only is my daughter trying to knock me <laughs> off the mountains, but so is her son. So is the other players at the thing. So is Natasha. So it, it it's me against the world when it comes to this game. <laughs> My son loves knocking me off, like not letting me win. But he just loves doing that with Bob just even more than me. <laughs> just a slightly bit. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all good. Uh, it makes me laugh. But my number 77, Mountain Goats. All right. My number 76 is Gongshan Clever. Or That's pretty clever in English. Um, it is a roll and write game and it's just a classic roll and write game. It's just, just numbers. There's no themes. You just got numbers and tracks and colored dice and that's it. You roll the dice and you get to do these, you just select a dice and cross off the box. And, but the fun of this is there's all these combos like, okay, if I clock this one off then I can check a free blue one, which then lets me check a free green one. Ooh, but I don't want to do that just yet because the green one is on a one and that's easy to get you know i want to do it it's on a higher number so it's, it's got all these like little puzzles and 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 it's just it's just pure fun like oh i click this i click this i click this i click this, this combo combo tastic you get it on your phone for like 99 cents and you can like play it a hundred times in a couple days and it it's a you can play it multiplayer but the solo game is really good and so i just play it solo like all the time like constantly i still pick it up i play it on the airplane i i just or play it when i'm re- listening to audiobooks and i don't want to think i just want to play a game um yeah it's kind of the og of the combo tastic rolling rights it's like the godfather of rolling rights it's the one that started it all i think yeah and you could play one two or three it literally doesn't matter like the same game they just change it up a little bit like slightly different rules for each color dice but it's exactly the same game uh it doesn't matter whatever one you want I don't think you need all three, but um, if you played it a hundred times or more and want a little variety, then you move on to two, which is what I've done. Play that a hundred times and move on to three. So that is my number 76. Very hard not to like. Uh, it's just a, a nice little quick clever game. 
Um, if you want to play it, you could print the score sheets out and just get a set of dice. Like you don't even have to buy the game. If you don't want to get it on the app, you can just print the score sheets out. You just need dice that match and you could play it. Super easy. My number 76, uh, Gong Shang Clever. That's pretty clever. Yeah, this is not on my list, but I remember playing it when it first came out. Like I bought a copy and then I started playing the app, but this since, uh, the app has since been deleted off my phone. All right, my number six, <laughs> 76 is a game that Natasha says she needs to play, but she probably never will, and that is Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. I I know that I want to play it. I just like I feel like I need to play it. Yeah, you did say need to. Yeah. Because like I just don't have an opinion about it. And yeah, okay, continue. Mm-hmm. So I will make my opinion brief. This takes the massive Gloomhaven and kind of brings it down to something quite a bit more manageable. You're going to be playing a variety of scenarios. And what this does, I think that it does a really good job of, is it implements all the rule set over the course of several scenarios. So you're not necessarily diving into the full rule set from the very get-go of the of the campaign. You're kind of building up to it, which I think is interesting. I really like the card play in this. Uh, my wife and I played through the campaign. I really would like to play through it again. It's it's kind of dropping off the list, but it's still one of those games that I keep. And I'm we play two of the characters. There's still two another two characters in the box that we can play that I'd like to get out and play. So it's it's yeah it's it's I think it, it does Gloomhaven in a very good way in a manageable way that's not overwhelming to people because I remember getting the original Gloomhaven box after it was sorted. It was given to me after the game was officially sorted and it was still so overwhelming that I was just like, I just, I can't, but Jaws of the Lion, not so much that, that game is quite a bit, quite a bit better. So my number 76 Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. All right. My number 75 is Rajas of the Ganges. So this is a dice placement game where your dice are workers. Um, it's really kind of cute. It's got beautiful artwork. It's, it's a, the, the board is a little overwhelming, a little too busy, but I still enjoy I think it was like one of the these I think it was like one of the early games that came out where it was like, oh wow, that's kind of pretty. Like it's not an ugly game that you typically see yeah. a lot of these games. Like it's colorful and had fun artwork. Um, you know, the the Rajas of the Ganges theme was all in that artwork. So it had a lot of the that um those the 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 gods and whatnot, which was interesting and and nice. I really like the dice placement made it interesting that but what makes this game really unique I think is that score track where you can either get points or you can get um, I don't know what they call it honor or something else something else and one of them's on one side of the score track and the other one's on the other side and you continue playing until somebody has met the two scores together and whoever has the biggest overlap wins the game and what makes it a little interesting it gets it's not really the heart and soul of the game, I don't think, but it's a, it's a unique scoring track. I enjoy this game and I enjoy the dice game as well. I think the dice game is a, a lot easier to get into. It's quicker. It's 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 kind of a really great representation of the game in a little small, quick form. So I, I enjoy that just as much. Yeah, this is one of those games that I didn't like the scoring on it, partly because it's it relies on speed. It's it's the first one across this, so it's it felt very racy, and that was my one of my complaints about a game like Ark Nova is that type of scoring. It's it's something that I haven't really enjoyed in the past. I've warmed up to it. I'm I'm more on board with it now than I was you know two years ago. So this is one of those games that I'm I'm more inclined to play more often because I've kind of just 
I've learned that I have to approach the game differently. Yeah, it's different. It's got a different feel to it. I struggled the first time I played it because I would run out of dice, and it's no fun when you run out of dice because you can't really do anything without dice in a dice worker placement game. But once you learn that and you get better at the game, it's a lot of fun. I recommend it. My number 75, Rajas of the Ganges. All right, my number 75 is Shake That City. This is a game from AEG where you're going to take a bunch of cubes and you're going to put it into this little box that you construct. You're going to shake it. And then you have a little lever lever that is going to display nine cubes. And then the player who did it is going to basically take some of the cubes and then whatever's left is for the other players to choose from. And it basically corresponds to the type of tile you can take and play and the placement of that tile in your little, in your little tableau. Um, and that's pretty much the game. You're gonna, you're basically gonna be using these cubes to take these city tiles or these different tiles and placing them into your grid of that you have. And then based on, you know, the you have um, you have some scoring conditions around the outside of the board. So it's gonna say in this row you're gonna want these certain things, in this column you're gonna want these certain things. So you're trying to achieve those. But then each building is gonna score based on its position next to other buildings. I think this is a cool little puzzle. It's it's not super in depth it's not extremely deep but i think it's i think it's fun i don't think it's super long either maybe 30 40 minutes so it doesn't overstay its welcome and it and it has a cool unique little puzzle that you're dealing with yeah i really like this game too i think that's exactly it it's a fun little quick puzzle and it's kind of it's just it's fun i like it it's unique it's it's different yeah I, i like it too yeah solid game my number 75 shake that city my number 74 is a newer game, Wonderland's War. This is a very big, large, beautiful game. I, um, it's a little long for me, and it, sometimes I get frustrated with the randomness of the, the chits that you're drawing out of the pile, like like losing by busting. You know, that can be frustrating in such a long game, but the game is just so beautiful to play and, and so much fun in drawing those, and, like, everyone gets busted too. As long as everyone busts, like, I don't mind it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but it, it, I just really like this and I don't typically like this stuff. It's a area control game, you know, but I like the card play. I like the, I like the, um, drawing out of a bag. I think that's really interesting. I like the way that the, the, the battle works with the, the drawing out of the bag. I like that you go around the table and you collect these cards. I think you can get points that way. You don't have to get points just from the area control of the game. Uh, so there's enough to it that keeps me to it. It's very long. That's the only thing. Um, I don't recommend it at five. That's just too much. But but overall, I, I really enjoyed this game and not something that I typically like because of the big area controls of it. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised this made your list just because of the area control aspect. Funny enough, my wife and I actually just taught this to some friends of ours that are newer into gaming, and they really enjoyed it. The theme is so good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, the theme really does does a really good job. And it's push your luck, and it can feel a little little tough when you're pushing your luck, and you bust on on a certain thing. But again, it's you know it's a push your luck game that's long, which can be a little polarizing for people. Yeah, yeah, because if you if you bust, it's not a big deal. Everyone else busts is fine. But if you bust like three times and like somebody doesn't ever bust, that can be a little frustrating. Yeah, but I still really like it. My number seventy four, Wonderland's War. My number 74 is probably my highest rolling. No, it's not. I just, I'm looking at my list and it's not my highest rolling right, but it's pretty up there. It's a flipping right actually, and that's Welcome to. 
This is one of the big ones that came out. You're basically flipping some cards and then you're you're taking those cards. They're going to have a number and then an icon. And then you're basically building in a neighborhood. You have a bunch of houses and you're just trying to line up your houses uh, numerically in order to, you know, fill it in. You know, there's some scoring conditions on the side that if you if you take and you can fence off certain sections of houses, you're going to score those points. This is one of those games that I keep I keep coming back to and I keep playing and I keep enjoying it. They came out with new maps. I don't really care. I've played them, but I, I've just as fine playing the original version because it just it's a cool puzzle. It's one of those things that if you've ever seen somebody try to randomly assort numbers, so they'll I've seen this on TikTok a few times where they're going to say, "All right, they'll have 1 through 20. They're trying to fill in 1 through 20 based on a random set of numbers they'll get." So maybe they'll have like 500. So uh 487 is going to come in. Okay, well I'm going to take that and I'm going to put it in spot 20 thinking that there's no way I'm going to get anything above 487. And then it's going to be like 220. Well, where do you put 220 on the 1 through 20 track? Maybe you put it at 5 or 6, thinking that you're going to be able to get lower. That's the kind of game this is. You flip and you just, you're kind of, there's obviously more in the middle. It's bell curve. So there's a lot more 6, 7, 8s. And there are 1, 2s or 14, 15s. There are ways you can break that. Sometimes you can make numbers higher. Sometimes you can make and take two buildings and basically combine them into a duplex you're going to lose points on the duplex one but so it's it's one of those games that just keeps holding my attention game after game after game this is not one of my favorite rolling rights i enjoy it i i play it i enjoy playing it but it doesn't click for me like i think i've never won the game like it just doesn't i don't know i'm not good at it or something i don't know it doesn't click in a way that it's not it's not my favorite, I should say. I like it. It's just not my favorite. Sure. Well, it's it's one of my favorites. And I'm always happy to play it because I do like rolling rights, so it's fine. Well, it's, it's my guess. You like that sort of thing. Number 74. My number 74. Welcome to. All right. My number 73 is Furnace. So this is like a small engine building game. It's just a card game. And it's got bidding, which I don't normally like. But the bidding mechanic of this game is so interesting. You've got four chips one through four, and you can bid on on um, any of them that you want. And, and if you win the bid, you get the card. If you lose the bid, you get the resources at the top of the card times the bid that you put in. So if you lose it with a one, you'll get one of that resource. But if you lose it with a three, somebody takes it with a four, then you get three of those resources. And so you're, oftentimes you're bidding, hoping that you'll lose, but you're bidding your high number, hoping that you'll get this, the second prize. And there's some rules with what can be bid. You cannot put two of the your same tiles on the same card. And you cannot, if somebody has a three, you cannot put a three on it. Like you have to have a unique number on there. So there's different rules that come into bidding. Then, then once you get the cards that you want, you've got the resources collected, you set your cards up in a line and you activate them all. You can only activate them and you can activate them in any order you want, but you can only activate the card one one time. So you cannot activate like the top half and then go back into the bottom half. You know, you have to set it up in a way that you get your resources and then you can spend them to get points. So it it's uh it takes a couple tries. Like it's a you really unique game and you really have to kind of play it a couple times. But once you do, it's a pretty big game in a small box and a small footprint and a small amount of time like it's got a lot of meat on its bones yeah i agree it's it's an interesting engine building game with an auction that you don't want to win all the time and i think that's what changes things a bit for people is 
there are times you're putting out a, a token like a three and you're like i don't want to win this i'm hoping somebody else takes this because i want to be able to convert three things mm-hmm. but then like you you end up getting stuck like winning these ones so you have to be like, really smart and like wait like okay i'll wait till somebody for sure is gonna bid on it and i'll go and lower so i know i'll get the resources yeah. so it's got all this like meta strategy to it yeah it's in- it's an interesting game for sure that's my number 73 furnace all right, my number 73 is a game that recently just came out. Natasha loves it. I I've, I liked it quite a bit, but at the same time, it's super brain-burning, and that is Scholars of the South Tigris. So this is an interesting game because it deals a lot with color. You're trying to manipulate certain colors and combine them and be able to move up tracks, be able to scribe scrolls. You are uh, essentially trying to activate different scholars so you can transcribe you know, something from Hebrew to Arabic to, you know, sometimes you got something from Chinese that will translate into uh, Sanskrit. There's just, it's a lot of little things going on. It's a big, super crunchy game from Shem Phillips and Sam McDonald. And yeah, it's one of those games that I'm not going to want to play all the time. I have to be kind of in a mood to want to play it, but it's still, I think, a very solid game with the South Tigris series and the Shim Phillips. It's cool to watch his progressions as you start off with some of his lighter games and make your way up and how much more in depth and strategic and crunchy they're becoming. Um, I think we have a friend who really likes their stuff in like the paladins of the West kingdom series. And then as soon as you start moving into the South Tigris, it becomes a little much. And I think this game is quite a bit. It's so much more in depth. There's so many other things that you're thinking about. But I still think it's a solid game from him. Yeah, I really like these games. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling you're going to talk about it later on in an episode or two. Uh, so we're going to leave it at that. My number 73, Scholars of the South Tigris. All right. My number 72, I guarantee it's not on Bob's list. That is Cursed Court. So this is... Mm, a, it's not, but... Interesting game. And I really like it. It's so unique. So you are you get a little bit of information. So basically there's this, this court of people and you, you want to bid on um, the figures that are going to be played this turn. So there's a couple of each figure. I think there's three cards of each character and a couple of them get flipped over. So everybody knows that a couple of these characters are going to be available. And then everybody gets cards passed to them that they are sharing with their neighbor, one on their left and one on their right. So me and Bob are sitting next to each other. We both know that the queen is in the game. And then me and Chris are on the other side of it. And we both know that the Joker's in the game. Okay. So we know, and I'm, and then you can bid on the characters based on the placement of where they are. So if there is three characters um, in the same row and they're all in the game, you could bid on that row. Same with column. There's like, you can do the corners, you can do diagonal, you can do these four squares. Like there's all these different ways you can bid. You can bid on just the one character. So you're bidding on the characters that you think are going to be in the game based on what other people know are in the game. So if I bid like a lot of money on like this one string of characters, then people would assume that I must know that those characters are in the game. And assume that I have one of those cards. So then now they're betting on maybe not a band like that row of cards, but they know that the other two are uh, the other, like the column now instead of the row 
two characters are available. And so they're not sure if the third one is, but they're pretty sure that it is because I bid on that other character. So you can uh, fake out like by bidding on something that is entirely not in the game and try to trick people to thinking you know what you're talking about or you can just outbid them that you know for sure and not try to hide anything and it's just got this really interesting bidding mechanic and guessing and trying to trick people into thinking you know what you're talking about when you really don't know what you're talking about yeah and then you flip over the cards and you you know you just reveal what's available and who gets the score and it's just it's kind of like all over the place it's a bit too long for what it is but every time I play it, I just find it so interesting. I really like this game. Yeah, it's one of those games that when I play, I I enjoy. But then it just it is a smidge longer than what I would like. But I do enjoy the the trying to fake out other people as to like, yeah, I have. Do I have this information? Do I not have this information? You don't know, and that is fun. But I think it because it's 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 outstays its welcome a little longer than it needs to. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely not on my list. So. It's it's not a very popular game at, at all, but I really like it. I think if you stumble upon it, like if you find a used copy of it, it is totally worth picking up. It is a fun, unique game that it's not going to be one that you want to play over and over again, but you could get it out like once or twice a year and play it and have a really great time. And that's kind of the end of it. You know, it's not anything terribly groundbreaking, but it's it's a fun little interesting game. That is my number 72, Chris Court. All right, my number 72 is a game that was previously on Natasha's list, and that is Korra, Rise of an Empire. So to mirror everything she said in a previous episode, this game is just interesting. You're climbing up tracks, you have dice, and you're taking those dice, and you're trying to use them with different actions that you're going to be placing. And so what I really like about this game, too, is it's based, you know, in ancient Greece and you're going to be getting different factions and those different factions are going to play completely different. So for example, if you get Sparta, you're going to be leaning into a lot of combat focused stuff. That's the thing you're going to be probably focusing a lot of your efforts on. Whereas if you get something else that's a little bit more diplomatic, you that's the type of action you're going to be wanting to be, be doing more is that diplomacy action. And I really like the fact that the Actions that you take go in sequence. So if I play a number one action and Natasha plays a three and Jeremy plays a four and Ashley plays a six, I'm going to go first regardless of order, then Natasha, then Jeremy, then Ashley. So it's it's one of those things that you're you're trying to figure out exactly when you want to play your actions and how you're wanting to you know manipulate those things and do those things. Are you trying to do things before other people, that sort of thing? I really enjoy this game. I like the tracks. You can unlock, you know, additional dice to be able to do more things, but you don't necessarily need to unlock the dice in order to be able to do more and get more points, which I think is a is a is a good thing for a game. It's not always race to see who gets that thing first. You can still be successful without having to get that extra die, that sort of thing. But I really like it. The theme's cool. I I mean, you're climbing tracks and based on those tracks, you get stuff. You know how much I love climbing tracks. So it's a fun one. It it is my number 72 Korra Rise of an Empire. All right. Last one for today. My set my number 71 is Pandemic Legacy. I'll put season zero because that's my favorite one. I really, really enjoy these legacy games. If if it was just Pandemic, it'd never hit my list. I don't don't really care for Pandemic. I, I just don't enjoy it that much. Um, 
but the but the legacy part of it just makes it so much fun like i just love like opening things up stickering the board having a unique game like working together having this story i think it's just so much fun and i've had a lot of fun playing with my family now we've played um and quite a few times a couple times you know i had to, i played them with my daughter and then i replayed them with my son um season zero i've only played once and that one was absolutely the best but i still recommend playing them in order one two and then zero because there's a good arc there and and it ends with the best one which is great like it starts with a really unique concept goes into something that's like kind of off the rails but still enjoyable and then it gets back to like this really good solid game that they like grown and has been better but like the first one was really just basic pandemic with a legacy part, but it was so good. And story. The, yeah, it's such a great story. And then the season zero, they've just grown it and make it, make it even better with all these interesting things to a great theme. Um, everything about it's just been so much fun. And we've had a lot of fun just even playing it a second time because it was like 10 years later when we replayed the first season. I enjoyed it. Yeah. The pandemic season, the seasons zeros and, uh, all the pandemic legacies. I don't. I did not include them in my top 100. Just it. It in some ways it didn't necessarily feel right to include those games. But yes, they are fantastic. Man, is season one my favorite? It's so neck and neck between season one and season zero. And that sucks to say that like season two isn't as good as season one or or zero. I think if anybody just picked up season two and played it, they would still f- find it to be exceptionally good so it's a it's tough to be like yeah you know season two is the worst of them it's still great i you know I, that's why i recommend i would still recommend playing one two and zero just so you have that full story arc because if you start off with zero you're like oh this is so good now i want to play one and two that won't be as good and you're kind of going back in time although yeah. you're actually going forward in time but um marty mcfly but <laughs> It's, it's still worth playing like it's worth playing season two and it's cool to see how the games change over time so yeah yes. it, season two is not the is the, my least favorite one but it's still a good game that i've Solid. enjoyed playing twice now yeah i want to play through them all again so yeah yeah Solid they're pick. just as enjoyable yeah. you know that that's that is my number 71 pandemic legacy uh season zero all right my number 71 saddens me that is cl- dropped so drastically I think this used to be a top 10 game for me, and that is Ethnos. The artwork in this game, a lot of people don't like. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed that kind of, you know, old school, gritty kind of artwork. They've done a re-implementation of this game, which I'm excited to try, but I haven't yet. My understanding is they've tweaked a few things. But this is just an area control set collection game. You're trying to collect sets of a band to put out your tokens onto the board and then you're going to be scoring points based on error majority in the different spots and you're going to be scoring points based on the bands that you that you make and i and it just comes together in such a good way that i love this game and it used to be such such a high game for me top 10 probably but i just nobody wants to play it nobody wants to it has not aged very well it is still a good game but it doesn't look good it's got an an ugly like dated box it's got a board that doesn't match the box art or the card art at all it's like colorful like like cutesy 
color like the colors i like like i look at it and go oh this is a game that i like and then you put the cards you're like oh this doesn't match at all this is very <laughs> gritty like you said it, it just like nothing about the whole thing put together like looks enjoyable to play and the only reason it got away with it as much as it did is because games back then just didn't look as good like and people just aren't playing it. it is a really good game but until yeah. a new game that looks good comes out it's just not going to be played that much yeah i agree and that's unfortunate because that like i said i personally didn't think the artwork was that terrible but it's it's, it's not terrible it just doesn't add up it's one of those things that i think you need to i think it's an art style that you either will really enjoy or you'll hate well then make it match the board at least yeah, the problem is the the like super like high vis player tokens. It it's they stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, I think that's the problem. But yes, I don't know. I like it. I I've always enjoyed this game, and I really wish you know more people would play it. And I'm hoping the new implementation of it, people are more um, willing to to play that. So, but. I like. I really like the game. I think it's fantastic. My number seventy-one, Ethnos. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we'll do the next ten, so sixty-one through seventy, and help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook, and send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.